This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Chirp Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'd like to thank you deeply from the bottom of my heart for sticking with me throughout this offseason. We've got a ton of crazy stuff happening around the NHL. Free agency has been an absolute shitstorm. Players are flying, trade trades are going are going down, picks are, are changing hands. Um, it, it's been a wild ride. So in this episode, we'll be talking about free agency. Uh, we'll be talking about the NHL awards briefly. And then, of course, we'll talk about your very own Washington Capitals, what they did in the draft, who they picked up in free agency, and you know what the outlook looks like for the roster for next year. So let's pop some tabs and get it going. One, two, three. All right, let's just open it up with the things that nobody gives a shit about because no Capital One. Um, <laughs> any of the of the NHL awards. I mean, look, NHL awards are great. I think a lot of the people on this list were obviously deserving of these awards. But, uh, you know, remember there, aside from the Ted Lindsay and the Messier, which we found out last episode, is just literally picked by Mark Messier, the leadership god himself. Uh, it's mostly writers and, and, and people who are, you know, talking heads or, or self and maybe otherwise proclaimed experts on hockey. So in any case, I, I think I pretty much called most of the awards uh, last last episode. So if you want to go back uh, to last episode, episode 52, season four, and double check me, um, we can go for that. But let me just rattle these off real quick. The heart was obviously McDavid. Uh, the Norris was obviously Carlson. The dude scored over 100 fucking points uh, last season. <clears throat> the Vesna was won by Olmark, who had an outstanding season with the Boston Bruins, really was the backbone of that team when it came down to, you know, the reasons for their incredible regular season success. Uh, then, remember, that's obviously the goaltender. Ted Lindsay, which is voted on by the Player Association. Uh, McDavid, MVP. So MVP both by writers and by players. Good. Um, the Calder, which is Rookie of the Year. Maddie Meniers, I'm pretty sure I called that one. Jack Adams, uh, that's Coach of the Year. Jim Montgomery gets that for turning the Boston Bruins around, if you will. I mean, Boston was a playoff team last year, but at the same time, he took them to regular season success that was truly historic. Uh, the Selkie. Now, this one, I was, I, I figured Bergeron was the easy, was the smart money, but um, <laughs> how many times can a guy? win the goddamn award before you rename it to the Bergeron rather than the Selkie, right? Uh, maybe in 50 years, it'll be called the Bergeron Selkie or something like that. But man, this guy wins it all the time. He's consistently one of the best two-way forwards in the game, even in, in his older age. Uh, so good for him. Another Selkie for Bergeron. The Lady Bing, uh, Kopitar, the sportsmanship. I believe he's won that before. I'm pretty sure he's won it a couple times before. So good for him. Um, Jim Gregory, GM of the year. That's Jim Nil. So that's, I thought Sweeney might get this, who's in Boston for putting the team together that he did. But 
all of his really crazy moves, other than re-signing the people that were the fan favorites in Krejci and Bergeron, came at the deadline, and unfortunately, they didn't get past the first round. So I could see why this is a um, this is why you know Jim Nils continued success with Dallas and the moves that he's made over the past couple years, three four years really, um, is the reason he finally won. So good for him. Dallas looks to be on the up and up again. Uh, you know, love to see it. The Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award was Dean Smith and Jason McCrimmon. The King Clancy was won by Backlund. That was, uh, you know, giving back to the community. The Masterton, uh, I thought Latang would be a strong runner for it. He did get it, uh, you know, coming back from the stroke uh, and only taking, you know, I think it was a couple games off for that injury. And then finally, the Messier, Steven Stamkos for leadership. Hashtag leadership. You know, I'm not sure how you how you judge that, but hey, Messier is the leadership god, so he has ordained Stamkos the winner this year. All right, let's jump into uh, a crazy. I feel like free agency first day is always pretty crazy, right? But this year, it really goes to show how many rentals were attained by all teams, all teams in the running last year. And then teams that weren't in the running. And then, you know, how the flat cap is really kind of strapping people and teams to be consistently churning talent throughout their organization um, and moving guys on and bringing other guys in. So July 1st, right after the draft, the NHL Open Free Agency, it's been crazy. Uh, A lot of high-profile rentals. Like I'd said, and, and it just goes to show how all in some of these teams were. Uh, there's been a lot of trades, a lot of signings. I mean, tons. But uh, I'm just going to like, you know, of hundreds, I'm going to rattle off some ones that I thought were uh, were notable. Uh, and I don't believe, you know, we mentioned Eric Carlson. Um, and I know the Penguins are on them, in on him somehow. Uh, but... He's still on the table as well. Um, but, and, and so is Tarasenko. So the, the two, a couple big hot names are, are kind of being floated. But just uh, just real quick, here we go. Tampa Bay, been busy. Maroon and, and Kajkovic, who I think is a prospect. Uh, they traded them to the Wild for a seventh and retaining 20% of Maroon's cap hit. They also jettisoned Corey Perry to the Blackhawks. The Pens got Riley Smith from Vegas for a third in 2024. And unfortunately, they signed Lynchpin to the Stanley Cup, Lars Eller, for two years at almost two and a half a year, which good for Lars Eller. Make that money, man. Um, it just sucks that, you know, the Lynchpin to the Stanley Cup for the Washington Capitals has to go and play in Pittsburgh. Um, I, I still think Lars Eller is a solid player. I think that he's been. I, th- I thought he was the linchpin of the Stanley Cup, not just because he scored the game-winning goal in Game 5 against the Knights, but because the the center depth for the Washington Capitals was an absolute shit show, and it was a glaring problem for the final years of McPhee's tenure. He thought he had something in Marcus Johansson, but it never really worked out um, <clears throat> for a third-line center. You know, we had Kuznetsov, we had Backstrom. Um, then we had a Jay Beagle at that point, which was a solid fourth line center, but the third line center just 
which third line I've said in this podcast before that it's the toughest position, I think, the toughest depth to be in in the NHL, right? You're a fourth liner. You can get through with banging bodies, keeping the puck deep. There's not a lot of skill involved, even though, you know, obviously these are skillful players. But in the sense of your two big hits and get off is fine for a fourth liner. For a third liner, the problem is, is that you have to do that. You can't get scored on and you have to put the puck in the back of the net uh, for against the opposing team. So you really are, you know, solid third lines are what make and break hockey teams. And then an overperforming fourth line wins you a Stanley Cup as long as your top two lines can, you know, continue to bury. So I just think that the third line is a tough position because you have to play both ways. You can't get scored on, but you're also looked at to add to scoring um, as, as that tertiary uh, a scoring threat. Anyways, um, so, you know, I think that that's what had stopped the Caps from being truly a Stanley Cup contender, like a, a true winner, is that we just didn't have that depth down the middle until Lars Eller came along, and then two years later we go and win a cup with him. So, you know, glad he's still staying relevant. Um, unfortunately, he's going to be a penguin, which is really, really tough for me to swallow. Um, they weren't done, though. They also signed Noel, uh, Noel Akari, extended Jari for five years, picked up another a goaltender and Alex Nedlovic for a year, and then D-man Ryan Graves. All of those contracts outside of Nedlovic is, were very... There, they were for a pretty extended term, three years or more. Um, all the skaters that were picked up were for multiple years. They had to replace Zucker, who signed with Zona, and Dumoulin, who went to the Kraken. So, uh, you know, usually the Penguins get all the shiny toys, right? Riley Smith was what I would consider that. Ryan Graves ain't bad, but, uh, you know, Nedlovic and then, and then keeping Jari – for five years. Uh, hey, you know, I'd always thought Jari was the future of the club. I just didn't know he'd be this unsteady. So, you know, this is some dubious shit. Who knows what's going to go down, but apparently uh, the stats say that these are good players. <laughs> I hope they're terrible, except for Lars Eller. I hope Lars Eller scores, like, outscores Sidney Crosby this year. Let's just say that. And I, I hope Lars Eller is the highest scoring penguin in 2023-2024 season. Boom. I said it. The Devils got Tyler Toffoli for Igor Sharangovich and a third in 2023. The Devils also shipped Mackenzie Blackwood to the Sharks for a sixth-round pick, so they're doing a bit of retooling. Uh, the Kings received Pierre-Luc Dubois from Winnipeg in exchange for a second in 2024, Rasmus Kapari, Alex Iafalo, and Gabriel Velarde. So... You know, Winnipeg, that team that seemingly was on the cusp to making a deep run year in and year out for about five solid years, you know, ends up getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, you know, I, I just, you know, they, it just one of those teams that just couldn't get it together with a roster that I thought was pretty damn solid. Uh, looks like they're taking away pieces, big ones, and, and adding some, uh, just a, a mishmash. I don't know if you call it a rebuild or a retooling, but at this point, it doesn't really matter for Winnipeg. I think that ship's kind of sailed. Uh, it's interesting to see, though. So we'll see what Winnipeg's like next year. But, uh, you know, I always thought that that was a team that was really on the cusp that just could never get over the hump, uh, especially with injuries and things like that. So hopefully as they get a little bit younger, 
um, you know, they'll get a little bit more success. Who knows? Kevin Hayes ends up going to the Blues for a sixth rounder from Philly in 2024. Uh, the Blackhawks, who I've mentioned a couple of times, they apparently received the number one overall pick unwarrantedly, undeservedly received the number one overall pick in Connor Bedard, and then they lost their fucking minds. They picked up Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno from the Bruins for Alex Regula and Ian Mitchell. Uh, they got Corey Perry. You know, they've been in the mix uh, picking up some veterans, and they have all the cap to spare because they've literally just been tanking for the past couple years. Um, they're going to look like a completely different team. You know, Bedard, I would assume, is going to make the roster next year. So, uh, interesting to watch. Let's see what Chicago can do and if they can even, you know, push a playoff spot in this next season. I hope they don't. Ryan Johansson moves from Nashville to Colorado in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk at half price as Nashville is retaining half of Johansson's salary. Uh, Philly signed Mark Stahl and Garnet Hathaway. Garnet Hathaway got paid quite a bit too, so you know for a fourth liner kind of role, good for him. Uh, Toronto wanted to get tough. I, I can't understand Toronto. Like the biggest hockey market just makes the fucking game look like a goddamn joke. I don't understand Toronto at all. Uh, they wanted to get tough, so they signed Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, and Ryan Reeves for years. I mean, all of these guys have got contracts uh to bolster the blue line though they did sign Klingberg who I've always liked though he's seen a bit of a decline defensively in the past few years um but all I'm saying is I think the drought will continue in Toronto so they're changing you know Dubas goes and now it's just back to you know old time hockey I don't understand this at all uh I don't think Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi are terrible players and I do think that obviously uh Toronto has a ton of top-end talent you know, maybe this is the difference. Who am I to say? But um, it doesn't seem like the Toronto Maple Leafs need to come out and be like big bruisers. I, I just don't, I don't get that. Whatever. I guess they're getting tough. Uh, the Islanders paid out the ass for Ilya Sorokin. Eight years at over $8 million per year. And they also locked Scott Mayfield at seven years, uh, for seven years at three and a half per year. So, Lou Lamarillo. I don't know if it's him being senile or what, but it's a lot of a... I mean, look, Ilya Sorokin's probably a top three goalie in the league. Uh, a year in and year out keeps them in games, but if you don't have... If you're going to dump all your cap in a goalie, you have nothing to spend elsewhere. And then Scott Mayfield, you know, he's okay. Uh, and I guess three and a half a year, but for seven, uh, you know, who knows? Detroit ended up giving Daniel Sprung $2 million for a year, continuing his journeyman career. Um, you know, and, and we'd always hope that Sprong would find a place, right? But I just don't think he is. I don't think he's going to. I think he's just going to get short term, smaller contracts. He's going to have a very, he's going to be a rich man by the end, the time he retires. But at the same time, I don't know if he's ever going to find a spot. Detroit may be it. Who knows? It's definitely a show me contract, two million for a year. Show me what you can do. Detroit doesn't seem to be, you know, on the cusp of winning a cup. So, uh, It'll be interesting to see. Maybe Sprong does land in Detroit long-term. Who knows? Dallas took Matt Deshane for a year at $3 million. Again, Dallas, that is a team who I would say that makes sense. You know, throw some money at a guy for a year who's going to put you over the hump. Dallas, I felt like, was that team this year or is going to be. Uh, so, you know, I can't blame them for wanting to go for it and run it back again. 
Milan Lucic goes back home to Boston for a year for $1 million. Um, Milan Lucic has been just a solid, I love the player. He's just such a hard-nosed dude um, and a bruiser at that. His offensive side has gone downhill. You know, he's obviously a little older. I would think that he may be considering this year as last year playing hockey and then retiring after this year. Just go home to Boston where it all started, where he had all the success, and then, you know, right off into the sunset. The Carolina Hurricanes paid Dmitry Orlov what he deserved for two years, at least, uh, at $7.75 million per. You know, I look at that contract, and I know that when last year, the reason that we didn't get a deal done with Orlov is because we couldn't afford it, and we still can't. But he wanted five years. And he wasn't necessarily apt to take a hometown discount. Um, the caps were looking at more like two years, like what he got. Probably not at 7.75, definitely not. Probably about a million seven short of that was where the caps were coming in. But, uh, you know, good for Dmitry Orlov getting paid for those two years. It's just tough to see that number and say, like, why didn't we just get him for like 6.2? I don't know. And give him five, right? Uh, <clears throat> again, that would have really cap-strapped us, though. So, we, you know, right now, the Washington Capitals probably have less than a million in cap space, uh, but they are looking at LTIR in um, in patches, which I'll get to later. Sorry to bury the lead there, or to put a, sm- a spoiler out. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I love Orlov. I think he's a great player. Uh He's. This is a bit of a show me contract. I think. I think that, you know, if the Can- if the Canes go and win a cup while Orlov is around, I think he's going to get paid. You know, another couple years after that. But uh, it always just leads you to think like, could he have stayed in DC? And of course, the answer was is yes if the player decided to take less money. But in the long run, you know, would it be the same if he has two down years and then gets signed for three years at three million? You know, in the average, it would have worked out for the Caps. So, who knows? But they needed that. F- the, the Washington Capitals stuck to their guns. They needed that flexibility, and they knew Dmitry Orlov was worth what he got paid uh, in any increment of time. So, just kind of you know, mental masturbation on that one. Ottawa signs Corpusalo for five years at four million per year. They've definitely put a little bit of you know, put some of the eggs in the basket around that goaltender. Uh, the Rangers took quick for. 875000 for one year, so Quick's keeping the dream alive. And Ryan O'Reilly signed with Nashville for four years at $18 million. So uh, he's definitely still a viable option. And Barry Trotz is quietly making some moves uh, out in Nashville, bringing in some talent and jettisoning others. So uh, interesting to see. Well, uh, Nashville's... You know, hasn't been a very competitive team in the past couple of years, and I think that this is a huge opportunity. It's almost like Barry Trotz's first stint in Nashville when he was coach, but now he's the GM, so he actually has a little bit more power to, to make roster calls. Uh, like I said, Carlson and Tarasenko still remain in limbo. Those are the two big um, kind of names out there that's been floated, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Tarasenko, though, did uh, end up changing agents, so he must not have been happy with what he was uh, being offered when it comes to, uh, you know, money and deals. 
But speaking of money and deals, DraftKings Sportsbook uh, is the best sports betting app that you can have. You should definitely go download it right now. DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or, visiting, or visit gamblingline.ma.org in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Kansas. Call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charleston Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. <clears throat> Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific Responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Option required. Max bet $50. 10 plus leg required. Four 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All right. Let's talk. Tons of things to talk about with the Caps. Made a ton of great moves, both in the draft and in free agency. Let's get into the Washington wraparound right now. All right, the Washington Capitals made six picks in this year's draft, and the first two look like actual NHL studs. This is amazing, good stuff. This is not, you know, this is the most hype Cap Sands have been able to be probably since the Oviera, you know, since Backstrom, you know, I would think. They haven't picked in the top 10 since they got Carl Alsner, a uh, friend of the podcast, Carl Alsner, who went fifth overall. I actually didn't know he went that high. I'm going to have to, you know, give him some 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 uh, elbows for that. Of course, he deserved to go that high. Dude was amazing. Iron Man himself. <clears throat> but let's talk about the picks this year. At pick number eight, the Washington Capitals picked up American Ryan Leonard. Love that he's American. Uh, who looks like a pesky, hardworking, physical right winger who can finish, piss off opponents, and draw penalties. He's going to play at Boston College for at least a couple years and try to make it on the team, I'd assume. Maybe one year. Um, you know, I always wonder, like, what is going through these guys' heads. Like, you know, you're getting a full ride to go play at one of the most prestigious hockey colleges in the world. And, you know, I get, like, making X amount of millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars after two years in college would be awesome. But, you know, if you get your college degree, maybe you have options like after hockey. And I know that at 18, 20 years old, that's really hard to think about. And of course, two years, the team's probably, you know, if you, especially if you're a guy like Ryan Leonard, uh, you know, or Fantinelli or whatever, you know, you're going to need, the team needs you. So I'm sure there's a ton and ton and ton of pressure. Um, and, but I just wonder if, if, if it's a big regret for a lot of players, I guess the guys that are making 30 million a year, they don't give a fuck. Or, I mean, 30 million in their career, they don't care. But like, I wonder what the cutoff is if they've, if they'd ever want to go. And I guess in all reality, 
after they're done with uh, <laughs> after they're done with the NHL, they they probably you know if he does leave in two years, he's still got two years of eligibility. Maybe as like a 35, 40 year old, he goes back to college and, and is able to play uh, a couple years. I don't know if there's an age limit in the NCAA, but uh, that would be fucking awesome. Anyways, uh, who knows uh, what's going to happen with him, but he looks good. He's a big guy. He's pesky. He's, uh, you know, a Tom Wilson-esque type player. And, uh, you know, bonus points for being American in my book. So awesome to hear that. Uh, You know, you can Google him and and see what he's been doing. But uh, hopefully he's in the lineup, I guess, for selfishly as a fan for within the next couple of years. Um, You know, and hopefully his development goes well. At pick number 40, we got left wing Andrew Cristal, who's... The Kelowna Rockets, who's with the Kelowna Rockets of the WHL, a Western Canadian boy who's absolutely torched the WHL last year with 95 points. It's like 1.7 points a game this dude was scoring. He's a creative point getter um, whose real major knock is that he's smaller in stature. He's 5'10 and just a, a mere 167 pounds. You know, you can't do much about the height, but I bet he could put on 10, 15 pounds. Um, My sources out west say that he's a joy to watch in juniors, and he's a bona fide playmaker and scorer. The dude's just uh, super creative, high hockey IQ, uh, great skater, can finish. It's just, you know, the size thing is, I think, why he dropped so far. He was projected to go in the first round, but dropped the second. The Caps were, you know, able to scoop him up early in that round. So, you know, good picking, I think, by the Caps. Uh, you know, these first two picks are, are touted as eventual NHLers, and we could see them in Hershey in a couple, two, one, two, three years going for another Calder Cup. So, awesome, awesome stuff. At pick 104, the Caps picked up a center turned winger, uh, Patrick Thomas, who's playing in the OHL with the Hamilton slash relocating the Brantford Bulldogs currently. He's six foot, 172 pounds. He scored 56 points last year, and he led the team in scoring after making the transition from center to wing. Uh, this is his second year being draft eligible. So I think a lot of value. Maybe the first year he was eligible, he was just kind of, he was playing center. He was middle of the road, but went to winger and, and just started putting the puck in the back of the net. Uh, that's definitely encouraging to hear. I think that the overall theme for the Washington Capitals in the Brian McClellan era has been value, 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 right? Calculated risks of upside on players is really what McClellan and his and his management team and the scouting reporters and everybody that works for the Caps, I think, excels at right now. So, again, here we go. This is a guy that was supposed to go higher, um, you know, uh, but... We picked him up late. Um, and then Cam Allen was scooped up just 32 picks later <clears throat> the next round. He's a D-man. Also from the OHL, a bigger player coming in at six foot, 194 pounds. This was a guy who was slated as a first-rounder after his rookie season with the Gulf Storm, but had a sophomore slump, kind of struggled with finding consistency and scoring, He's, by all accounts, <clears throat> an incredibly gifted skater and a physical presence, but his decision-making with and without the puck is his biggest knock. Uh, these are things he's going to have to improve on the mental side of the game. Obviously, the physical tools are there, 
but you can have these knocks as a young draft pick. He's just got a lot of improvement to show when it comes to hockey IQ. So, you know, I think working with coaches and, and understanding the game a little bit more, um, you know, knowing what to do under pressure, I think is huge because you have no time in the NHL, especially if you're a defenseman. You have no time. You have to make the right play immediately. <clears throat> you have to know what the right play is before you even touch the puck. And you have to know the right play, what the right play is before, uh, you know, the play happens when you're off puck. So this is something that I think that he can work on. But again, this is a guy that fell all the way to the fourth round and was in his freshman year, his first year as a rookie in, in juniors, uh, was projected to go uh, in the first round. So, you know, fourth round dropped. There you go again, the theme of value and high upside. Everyone up to this point is 18 years old, but the seventh round pick, uh, which the Caps got two of, uh, they picked up 20-year-old forward Brett Hyland in his third eligible draft year and then traded picks with San Jose to select goalie Anton Keller, a French native who played in the Swiss under-20 program this past season. Hyland um, shown good progression during his time with the WHL's Wheat Kings, increasing his points in two-way play each season. He's been there for three seasons, so good for him. He's 20. <clears throat> and, you know, that's what you want to see, somebody who can grow. Um, and the goalie is 18, uh, Anton Keller. And overseas, he's the first... He's, he's really just played primarily overseas. He's the first ever French draft pick in franchise history. Uh, this looks like one of those goalies who's going to stay overseas for a while and hopefully come over and surprise us all in Hershey. And then maybe he'll get a chance, you know, after the Keller and Lindgren era. Uh, we'll see what happens with Hunter Shepard. And maybe this guy is backing up. Who knows? Overall, I think the Caps got great value in this year's draft. It's hard not to... Um, you know, it's hard not to get good value in a draft this deep, but I think that the management team really hit it out of the park with Leonard and Kristal. The later picks also seem to show promise as well. You know, they could be NHL players. And that it, when those after the second round, you're just looking for guys who's gonna who are gonna play like a hundred or more games in the NHL. If you can play a hundred games in the NHL, you know, that's a solid career. Uh, and the odds of you playing a hundred games past the second round are like single digit. So, you know, these all, all these guys, you know, look like they could crack an NHL lineup. Now, would they have longevity in the NHL? Who knows? But they may come in and, uh, you know, surprise us all. So I think that there's a high upside. A lot of these picks were, are, are players who have physical tools that are NHL archetypes yet they just haven't put the game together yet. And we're hoping that our, you know, our historic AHL and farm program, uh, you know, the Calder Cup champions this year, 12th Calder Cup, hot, you know, most winningest franchise in AHL history as far as championships go. Um, you know, we're hoping that this type of development is that, that is going to pay off. And they're going to, you know, spend a long time marinating in the lower leagues or, and in college or wherever they choose to go. But eventually they should come out, you know, highly polished and ready to crack an NHL lineup. So, again, I usually don't get too involved in draft picks and, and the draft. But this year it was a little different, obviously, because of how deep it was and how high the Washington Capitals are picking. And I think that they hit it out of the park. I think McClellan 
deserves a bit of a pat on the back. Of course, who knows what the future holds? No one. But at the same time, I think they did a good job. I'm happy with it. I think they got a lot of value. Development camp was July 1st through 5th. Keller, Leonard, and Kristal were all there. And it looked like fun time. Mirashenko, Marush, Mirit, Marushnichenko, and Sudalev were also there, along with goalies Borkland, Chase Clark, and Mitch Gib- Gibbons. <clears throat> so, uh, I, I mean, this is a week-long intensive training camp that's meant to you know, show prospects the skills that are needed and also put, pit them against each other to see, like, what they've got. Uh, lots of the footage coming out says Marishnichenko and and Leonard and Kristal are all studs, which is great to hear. Um, and again, you know, they're only playing with younger guys, so they're not really in the NHL squad yet. But, uh, you know, it's a good thing that the Washington Capitals do this right after the draft, get these guys in. It's a bit of a welcoming party for the new draft picks. It's a welcome back for the ones who'd spent a season away, especially if you're overseas like our Russian players are. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, went off without a hitch, and it looked pretty good. Let's move on to free agency for the Washington Capitals, which, you know, they did not shear away from the melee. That's for sure. They were definitely in the mix, and I think, again, because we are so cap strapped, the name of the game is value. And how, what's the best player we can get for the least amount of money? And I think they did that really well. So, Faviari, first piece of news Faviari did sign a three year extension, a bridge deal for $2.675 million per year. Congrats to him. I think that's a nice contract for both parties. Uh, you know, he had a great rookie season. Last season was okay. Uh, you know, the, the team was just hurt. It was tough to get into a groove anyways. But for these two, for, for this kind of bridge deal, uh, and all bridge deals are about three years. And they're, again, they're showing me contracts. It's not, it's only a generational talent like Austin Matthews or McDavid or Ovechkin or Backstrom that go off their rookie contract and then just get signed for big money right out the gate. If you'll remember, I think it was 10 for 10. Uh, back when Ovi signed his first contract. So, you know, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I think that that's that's a very fair price. And honestly, Ferivari, w- with the RFA status, the Washington Capitals could have traded his rights. So they will have his rights until um, the season starts. So they had all the leverage in, in moving that contract. They didn't want to, obviously, and they shouldn't have. It was the right call. But... Uh, I think he comes in right at what he's worth. Uh, I look at Ferivari as a Dmitry Orlov-esque type player in the way that I think his career is going to transcend. So hopefully he comes back to camp this season, kills it, and uh, has a great season upcoming and shows a lot of value for this deal for the next three years. Connor Brown ended up walking, (laughs) had four games with the Caps until he got injured. Uh, he walked as UFA and was signed at almost league minimum for one year by the Oilers. Connor Sheary, uh, we already said goodbye to him. He left to the Lightning for a three-year deal at $2 million a year. Good for him. You know, that is a 500 k raise in the past two seasons per year. And a big up from close to league minimum when the Caps signed him for that initial one-year deal. So, you know, the Washington Capitals are like, you know, George Clooney with his girlfriends, right? 
he takes them in, we take them in, we make them better, and then we send them off to get more money, right? <laughs> so good for Connor Sheary. You know, I hated him as a penguin, um, but I loved him as a cap. So Godspeed and good luck. Uh, once free agency opened on July 1st, the caps were very busy boys. They signed uh, D-man Chase Prisky just recently on a two-way deal for one year. They drafted this kid. He's bounced around the AHL for several years, had a cup of coffee in the show with the Panthers a couple years ago. But the reason that we drafted him was because he was a Hobie Baker finalist in his college days, so the Cavs must see some potential there having drafted him and then bringing him back at age 27. You know, he's going to probably be up and down uh, the A to the main roster, the big club, it gives a little bit more flexibility. <clears throat> the big signings that the Washington Capitals had, though, were Max Pacioretty, and we traded for Joel Edmondson. So, look, Patches had a rough season last year in Carolina, tore his Achilles twice in a ca- calendar year. I think, and so does McClellan, and so do all the doctors, think that they rushed him back in five months after the first Achilles torn. And that's just, uh, that's you know, of course the, the Canes needed him because he's such an important player, even at age 35. He came cheap at $2 million this year, but is eligible for $2 million in bonuses based on games played. The best part of this, this deal, is that if he plays 10 games, he'll get another million in bonuses. At 15 games, he'll get 500K. And at 20 games, he'll get another 500K. So <laughs> we set the bar low. Now, that could be two things. That could be... I think that that's, that's fair. Because, honestly, I think that the Caps are thinking that he'll play 60 games plus playoffs for us. Maybe even 50. So he should be getting 4 million. The, he's only signed for one year, but the best part about this is that the cap hit for $2 million goes on the books this year. The bonuses we can defer to next year. So it doesn't count against cap. Saves us money. So we literally have right now Max back ready for $2 million a year, a guy who's consistently a 20-goal scorer plus. Uh, you know, even you know at this stage where the knocks on him are he's injured, he's old, uh, he's 35. He's torn his Achilles twice in the calendar year. Uh, you know, all that. He's got no timeline of return. Uh, but it's said that he won't make the first games of the season. So that's already for sure. So I'm saying a month or two that he won't play in the beginning of the season. You know, I think this is still a solid move to bolster the top six. A healthy patches is worth at least 20 goals and 50 points skating on his ass. Right? He made $7 million last year folks. We just got him for two. I'd say that's a, another good value signing that will likely help us this next season. It's just a one-year contract as well. So it's definitely a show-me deal. Uh, as all the teams in the NHL, I'm sure we're apprehensive about talking to him and getting him on the roster because of his health. This time, though, with the second Achilles t- tear, the Washington Capitals have shown that they're not quick to return guys unless it's absolutely needed. Like if you're an Ovechkin, if you're a TJ Oshie, you know, but you look at Backstrom, Tom Wilson, they took an entire season off almost this past season. Uh, yeah, we could have used them, but at the same time, you know, they came back in January. So it's, it, we're okay with that. 
and the bonus structure is set so low that there's not a lot of pressure on on Max Pack ready to come back. So I think that this is just just awesome. I, I like it. I definitely think that he's going to be a scorer. If you think about true snipers on this team, who do we got? Alex Ovechkin. Would you consider TJ Oshie a true sniper? You know, I think he's good in that bumper position. But I think that Oshie's value really comes in his physical, dogged nature, his forecheck. Uh, you know, Backstrom's definitely not a sniper. I think you would consider him a playmaker. They have, you know, Pack already said that he's excited to play in a lineup where there's three playmaking centers who are willing and able to distribute the puck. I look for Max Pacioretty to be just a cannon this next season. We're going to find him open and we're going to build, you know, plays around him and him and Ovi. And it's just going to be a serious, that's a serious depth increase in, uh, in the team right now. The second acquisition that we traded for was Joel Edmondson, who was brought in to bang and he cost the caps a third and seventh in 2024. Montreal is also retaining this guy's half of this guy's salary. So the caps have a veteran 30 year old banger, for $1.7 million in cap hit. A D-man who can play 1 through 6 or 7 in the lineup. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a solid move. I mean, it's a physical presence. It's something that we needed. We need a guy who can make the right decisions in the defensive zone, who can be physical behind, you know, the goal line, who can be physical within the face-off circles, who can clear the front of the net, get Kemper or Lindgren a good look at the puck defensively. And let them shine where they do. He can clear out rebounds. You know, I mean, he's he's a stay. He would be like a Brooks Orpic esque kind of move here. Again, this is only a one year deal, one point seven five a year. Um, I I like it. You know, because he's so cheap. You know, if we had to take his full salary, maybe it would have been a little bit more bitter to swallow. But this is a very solid deal, and and. I think that we had to take it, you know, for a third and a seventh in 2024, whatever. Now, <clears throat> I can already, and I've already seen on Twitter, people titty whining, you know, what about our young players? Wah, wah, like, you know, outcry about how their favorite young adult is going to be sandbagged in the lineup because Patches and Edmonton are now in. These are one-year deals, guys. Like, I think it's actually the contrary of what people are saying. Like, you know, oh, they're never going to get any experience. They're never going to get any, you know, they're going to be sidelined the whole time. I think that these two trades or the, the acquisition and the trade are super cost-effective and savvy. Managers made it clear that the young guys in our system are not ready to play 82 games plus playoffs. But looking at the length of these contracts, they're close, literally a year out if not this next year, right? Uh, you know, Patches and Edmondson are stop gaps to the roster right now. The goal is to make the playoffs next year and go for a Stanley Cup to be a competitive team next year while also developing our young players. To do that, you need, you know, your young player does well and then goes on a 20-game slump. At game five, you can bench him and put in Edmondson, Pacioretty, whoever needs to be done. At the cap hit that Patches and Edmondson come in at, it's really not a big deal to healthy scratch these guys. Now, 
you know, and it's a one year deal. So we're not really concerned about like how butthurt each player is going to be. It's like, you've been here, you're here for a year. It's a show me deal. Uh, you know, you're established veterans in this league. You'll likely get a contract next year. It but it may, may not be, you know, maybe a million off from what you wanted, but you're still going to be rich. Like who cares? As far as the team goes, I think this is like perfect. You aren't putting all of your chips in the young guys. And when they fail, which they inevitably will at some point, because consistency is the hardest thing to find for an NHLer, uh, you can have these guys just in the stand, in sit in the press box, ready to go. Um, or, you know, the other way around, they need to come in because the young guys are, you know, not feeling great. Uh, you know, either way, I think it's a good thing. I think that this is probably the best thing for players like Sandane, Faviari, Alexiev, and probably uh, Lucas Johansson. Um, and other Hershey Bears like Protus, McMichael, LaPierre Snively, and the rest of the farm. We don't have to live and die by these young guys, which has shown, you know, look at the Rangers rebuild. Like, it's just not... There were years where they were bad, and that was because they were force-feeding young guys' minutes and developing them. If Spencer Carberry is who he's billed to be, he's going to be able to find a balance between getting young guys in and out <clears throat> and keeping the team as competitive as possible. So what I see from this, these acquisitions, is not con like constricting the roster and making it old. I think that, in fact, it's giving the coaching staff a ton more flexibility in two veterans who they, he can lean on enter in or out of the lineup. So this gives all these guys that I mentioned the flexibility to stay up with the big club, practice with the team and, you know, literally not know every day game, they're going to be healthy scratch. They may get a chance one or, you know, it may be sporadic. It may be every other game, maybe every three games, but whatever they may get, you know, they're there for a reason and they're going to be rewarded if Carberry is the guy that they say he is. So, <clears throat> like I said, in addition to this, there's no skin off our backs because the, hat, the cap hit for these two guys is so small to scratch them, throw a young guy in and see what he does. Uh, I think that flexibility is key. And Brian McClellan has already said you need seven or eight defensemen every night. So, you know, adding a young D-man from the farm Alexiev, I think, is still going to be there. I think he's still going to get ice time. Um, and if you look at the age of the roster now, like it's a 50-50 split if we add another young defenseman, which we did in um, in that two-way contract with Prisky. The Caps now have a, 50, a perfect 50-50 split on the blue line of players 30 or older and then players younger than 24. 50-50. That's great. I mean, you can put a young guy with a veteran on every, every line combination, or, Hey, you need some veteran presence. You need some bigger bodies. Throw Joel Edmondson in with Faviari or John Carlson or TVR, you know, um, as far as the, the forwards go, it's a perfect 50, 50 split of forwards that are sub 30, you know, under 30 years old and over 30 years old, perfect 50, 50 split right now. We're, we may, we're probably going to add some more young guys. So, It'll be a little bit younger. The face of the organization is definitely going to be younger as we walk in. So I think that with these moves, 
the way this roster is set up gives the Caps the best chance to be competitive while also making the playoffs and developing guys who are close to being those full-time NHLers. I think this is, you know, on the contrary of, you know, we won't get to see McMichael in an 82-game season, Prague. We won't get to see Protus in an 82-game season. But 60, 50, 30, you know, that's still good. You know, that's probably what they need to be kind of weaned into the system rather than like, okay, well, here it is, young guys. Now the fate of the team is decided upon you. We didn't go out and spend any money on veterans to help teach you in the room. Um we have a brand new coaching staff and he's just going to put all his eggs in the young guys and then in the basket of the young guys. And like, let's just go. So the Washington capitals have very little cap room right now. If they make a trade, it's going to be huge. It's probably going to be like Kuznetsov for something. Um, we'd love to see Mantha, you know, shipped away, but Hey, he, you know, his, his stock's so low. I would think that we're going to give him another chance to run it back and, and prove himself here. I think that this is, aside from any crazy deals revolving around centermen uh, for the Washington Capitals, I think this is pretty much what we're going to be looking at opening night, close to. Camp's got to happen. Got to see who's going to make the roster. Um, we're still going to need to slot in a guy for Pacioretty for the first 10, 20, 30 games. So... Keep that in mind. Uh, I definitely don't think that the young players are getting sandbagged. So calm your tits on that one. And uh, I'm very happy with how the Washington Capitals have drafted this year and what they've done in the offseason. There were times where I was like, man, it would be great to get another sniper on the team like Max Pacioretty and look where we're at now. Yeah, he's 35, so that was like five years ago. But still, he's still a very productive player. Joel Edmondson brings a lot of grit and heavy bodies to the blue line. Hopefully Tom Wilson is back, you know, in his, in, in St. Thomas's form for next year. So he's going to be banging. Joel Edmondson is going to be banging. We have a big team of just large men. Uh, and this continues with the pack ready pickup and with the Edmondson signing. So all good stuff. Caps fans don't panic. I think that the Washington Capitals have done quite a good job. And I can't wait to see what happens in develop or in, in preseason camp and, and next season. So thanks for tuning in, Capstans. That's all I've got for you. I'm sure I've missed a lot of shit, so feel free to troll me on the interwebs. But uh, I'll probably be taking quite a long break until the next season. Unless uh, something happens throughout the summer, then we'll put out some episodes. But uh, I'll be checking in every once in a while. You can follow us at all the all the social media handles and everything. But uh, I hope to see you next season and throughout the summer when I'll be sporadically dropping episodes. So until next time, thanks for sticking with me all season and into the summer. And until next season, let's go Caps, Hockey Troll, signing off. Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Troll podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out 
oh, we're not friends anymore. 